February 4th, 2024. We're in Misilat Yesharim, continuing in Perik Kafgimal, Bidarke Kenyata Anava, in the ways to acquire appropriately that Anava, uh, one of the highest in terms of character traits that Ramchal has been uh, describing and leading us to Anava being humility. And uh, Ramchal in this uh, chapter, at the point that we're up to, is describing how a person not would achieve it, but would be inhibited from achieving it. In other words, what are the sorts of things that can lead you astray from having an appropriate humility? Now again, we're almost done with Misilat Yesharim. Humility is at the very top of this totem pole of values and character traits. He described, for example, just a paragraph or two ago, how Moshe Rabbeinu, for all of his qualities, for all of his character traits, what is it that Borei Olam, at the end of Parashat Beha'alotecha, attributes to his greatness? He was Anav. He was great in humility more than any other human being. Anava, a true, deep, and authentic sense of humility, is what Ramchal, what Misilati Sharim is making clear for us, is, uh, is the ingredient for true uh, rising to greatness. So he writes here, Od mimafsideha anava. So further, with regards to the detriments that which can distract you from anava, it's when a person is involved with or using consistently uh, others who are uh, flattering him or her. Their belief, uh, the associates or the uh, uh, the workers for him or friends or uh, even uh, family members, uh, believe that by flattering him, it'll help them. And in turn, they'll praise him. They'll raise him in their uh, words and descriptions. He might have positive character traits, but they'll raise them above and beyond, uh, even attributing um, character traits that the individual doesn't have at all. And at times, uh, what the person has is the opposite of what others are saying about him. Uh, they're saying he's so uh, equal-tempered, he's an individual who gets angry all the time. Uh, they speak about his creativity, he's a person who's dense and uh, rigid. He says, ultimately speaking, the mind of a person is light. It uh, will naturally accept that which is uh, pleasing to it. And certainly with haughtiness, with the uh, wanting to feel great, uh, which is a natural and innate inclination, uh, we're certainly going to be led astray. Uh, on this point, in the commentary of Rabbi Dan Segel, uh, uh, he cites a story that uh, either he heard or he was, uh, uh, or he heard from another. He said that uh, the name's insignificant. One of the great Baalim Musa in the last uh, several generations was uh, present when another was uh, was speaking. And so the the name specifically, his name was Rabbi Eisenman. Rabbi Eisenman, Rabbi Gedalia Eisenman was being Doresh in front of many other rabbis and scholars, and preceding him. There was a, uh, another rabbi, an elderly, uh, more dignified individual. He was the younger one, and the older one spoke first. The older one spoke first, and it was clear from his speech, from the words he was using, from the descriptions, from the connections, 
that he wasn't well prepared, or at the very least he got confused in the middle, and as a result, it felt like it appeared to be a rambling, uh, which wasn't so coherent, wasn't the greatest of speeches. Uh, this young, budding scholar, Rabbi Gedalia, got up afterwards and spoke, and had a, a beautiful presentation, and his sources were clear, and his direction was uh, pristine, etc., etc. It finished, and everyone was congratulating him for a, a great derasha at this uh, meeting, and uh, even the elderly rabbi came over to him and, and congratulated him. Uh, so the Rabbi Eisenman, when he turned to this elderly rabbi, said to him, and hazaku baruch to you, or he probably said, and yashukayach to you. And uh, that was it, he sufficed with that. Uh, so his mentor, Rabbi uh, Eisenman's mentor, uh, Rabbi Isaac Sher, who was the uh, important mashkiach in Hebron Yeshiva, in Slabodka before then, so he turned to him, uh, really in Slabodka, he turned to him and he said, why didn't you uh, congratulate him? Why did you just say good job? He said, because it was clear he knows he was rambling. He knows he wasn't prepared. He said, you don't understand the nature of a person. Had you said to him that he did a great job and then you were inspired, as much as all of us know, as much as he himself deep down might be aware of that, had you said to him, wow, I was inspired by it, he would have believed it entirely. That was the description being, it was apparent, it was clear, you couldn't miss it. When people say things to us that are flattering, we believe them. That's our tendency. He told, told another story where he was present, where uh, there was a, um, one of the, uh, his teachers turned to one of the boys in the middle of the class and said to him, you know two sidarim of Gemara. So the students said, well, me, I don't know two sidarim of Gemara. So he repeated it. The teacher said to him, no, you know, we all know, you know two sidarim. Two sidarim of Gemara is, is, is a lot of information. He was a little bit uncomfortable and he was shifting in his chair. Paused for a minute or two, a few seconds again. Then he looked at him straight in the eyes in front of everyone. He said, and you know, to Sidarim of Gemarav, Talmud. And at this point, he said, the student just kept quiet. And he said it was clear and it was apparent. And this is what the teacher said afterwards. That's something, the fact that the rabbi said to him three times, congratulating and speaking about his greatness, something seeped in. He believed it. When people around us don't have an ability, what Ramhal is describing, to appropriately critique us, uh, we will fall prey uh, to self-centeredness, whether we want to or not. Whether if we're being honest with ourselves or not, we can and should notice the flaws that we have, the fact that those who surround us can't speak about them, and if anything, only speak about our qualities, whether true or not, is very harmful. It's the description he's making. He says, our da'at and teva is halash, our mind, our nature is, is, is weak when it comes to matters of this sort. As much as we're clear, as much as we're wise, as much as we have the wherewithal to get through and to understand when it comes to our own quality traits, when it comes to uh, how did I do at this job, and, and the person says something which is clear is a lie to you, there's a certain sense of truth. al he writes, Of course, it has to be someone you trust who says these sorts of things to you. He's citing it's the Lashon of the Gemara. Elsewhere, the Gemara has uh, the, this statement of Eres Bekaus. It's Gemara Masechet Shabbat and Dav Samech Bet. It's a description of the poison of a, of a snake. Why the poison of a snake? Because it's quick, it gets injected, it's lethal, it's, it's direct. This is when a person is flattered, when a person is built up, even and specifically in a way that's disingenuous, 
it, it enters into us uh, immediately. We get caught, we get ensnared, really, I guess is the way you'd say that, in the trap of ga'avav, haughtiness, and we're destroyed. Uh, look no further than the king Yoash. Uh, it's clear that Yoash had a fantastic career as a king. He was an individual who was instructed by and led by his a teacher, Yehoyada HaKohen, and throughout the life of his mentor, his rabbi, uh, he, had a, he had a great career as a king. But after the death of Yehoyada, and this is Pesukim, uh, the Hachamim embellished them, but his, his slaves, his servants, come to him, to the king Yoash, after his mentor has died, and they begin fat, flattering him. Uh, the understanding of the rabbis is they turned him into a deity. They turned him into a parol of sorts. So Yoash, who led a, a, a wonderful career, uh, direct leadership in terms of uh, his ability as a king of Israel, but after the death as the, of his mentor, as the leaders, as his, as his servants, as those who worked for him, weren't able to critique him, but if anything flattered him beyond, and the eyes of the Hachamim, and the text alluding to it, Yoash falls prey. He begins to believe and act as if he's a god. And says, uh, says Ramchal, you'll see this is clear. Uh, this is Ramhal as he does throughout the book, appealing to what we know. He says, just look at the world. Look at the important individuals true several hundred years ago as much as it is today. Every important individual has helpers. Every important individual has helpers who, generally speaking, cannot say anything negative and true to him or her. Because if they do, they lose their job. As a result, that individual continues living with uh, lies or uh, conceived realities that are absolutely wrong, and in turn, oftentimes fall. Uh, you know, if you could, we can we can open the newspaper on any given day and find twenty five examples of this. The description is one in which. Which we build for ourselves networks which feed our pride and in turn ruin our ability to succeed in a true sense. Therefore, if a person has enav berosho, of course the Pasuk says that the hakam enav berosho, the wise person has eyes on his head. Everybody has eyes on their head. It means a wise person who's ro'et hanolad, who sees that which is coming. A wise person who uses his eyes and is able to delve into the realities that perhaps others can't see. Yoter yizaher v'yayen b'ma'asem mishirotzeh liknoto lechaver o liyo'et o lefakid al beto yoter mimashi yizaher v'yayen b'ma'achalo mishto u'mishtav. He says you should look more into and be more careful about who your advisors are, who your friends are, then what goes into your mouth. That's not to say that what goes into your mouth doesn't need to be healthy. But says Ramchal, He says, food and drink can hurt you in terms of your body. It can hurt you in terms of your health. But you can sometimes rebound when it comes to friends or appointed individuals. 
but friends and advisors can entirely destroy your reputation, yourself, your, your life as you know it, in a spiritual and emotional and everything sense. The Pasuk in Tehillim describes, I'm not looking for the people who are high-speaking high and lofty-idealed. I'm looking for the individuals as my misharetim, as those who are going to serve me and be involved with me, it's a person who walks in a unblemished, in a direct, in a straight, and uh, and, and full fa- full fashion. Of course, this gives a full fuller sense to the Mishnah in the first chapter of Masechet Avot. The Mishnah in Perek Alf and Mishnah Vav says, haver. We sometimes uh, we're familiar. You have to purchase. What does it mean to purchase a friend? What does it mean to acquire a friend? Uh, you know, there's derashot about that, but think for a moment about the significance. Find an individual who's going to be your mentor, and then kenele haver. Haver, we usually assume, is going to be a natural reality. You know, there's a certain careful care, says Ramhal, that you need in friends. Friends aren't just individuals you spend time with and enjoy. They're not just people who make you feel good, which is important as well, but they're people who can be critical to you. They're people who can tell you uh, when they see something that can and should be different. It, it's a description which we oftentimes assume is only in in the context of uh, I'm found for myself the mentor but if your mentor is, is is more distant from your friends from your spouse from your children who are with you on a consistent basis obviously within limits obviously within a, a, res, a respectful domain and, and approach but the description is very clear without will open your eyes to that which you're blinded to and they'll give you rebuke Be'ahavatam, it's a beautiful description. It's rebuke with love. It's a, it's a slap with a kiss. A person is able to see is the famous statement of the rabbis. Anyone and everyone can see the blemish of others except for their own. And in turn, you need another to tell you that. They'll see. They'll understand. They'll even warn you and you'll be protected as a result. It's about that which Shilomo in Mishle says salvation, success will come with many mentors, with many advisors, with people who can speak honestly, genuinely, and authentically to you. Alright, that concludes Perekaf Gimel. Perfect timing, Charles. Perekaf Dalet Bebeur Yiratahet we're going to describe yes that. I just want to make sure because I think I was confused so that yes. original story when you said that he that he said he probably did a good job when he was fumbling you were, you were criticizing him for doing that yes. no the description <laughs> it, it was you were confused yeah I got uh, confused how you were using this story oh, to support so it's not me it's Rabbi Sega okay. Rabbi Sega used it just with regard forget about the advice of the rabbi to him it was about the fact that had you said to the rabbi, had you spoken to him and said you did a great job, which he didn't say, okay. he would have believed it. To which the student said, are you kidding me? And in other words, I get off the pulpit on Shabbat, I did a terrible job. I'm all red and I'm making my way to my seat. 
if some if someone walks up to me, the description, the suggestion is, and says, Rabbi, I was really inspired by your speech. As much as I was read, realized that I fumbled and messed up the whole thing, I'll believe him and walk away like, oh, it wasn't, wasn't so bad. In other words, when people speak to us and speak about our might, our strength, our abilities, our capabilities, even if 99% of ourselves tells us it's not true, we take that 1% and, and run with it. That's the description. So in turn, the negative side of it, not building self-esteem, the negative side of it is the more that you're flattered, the more you believe it. Do you follow? That's the description right. of that story. So you're like... questioning why do you want it? Why should he tell the rabbi he did a good job? I don't know. I don't know why he should tell him that. That's, no, that I mean, works. Makes, yeah. like you're discussing the idea of if you think you did a bad job, and then somebody says, good job. And you think, okay, it wasn't so horrible. That to me is not such a bad conclusion. We don't want you to think you gave a good speech because then right. you will continue to give it that level. Right. But like, of course, we have a kid gets up to read the trial the first time. If you don't say anything so, nice, so doctor, you, we, you and I, at least me, yes. naturally assume, if you were to tell me this and I didn't actually okay. stop and think and realize how often this takes place, I would say I do this with my kids all the time. It's true. I build my kids' self-esteem and students' self-esteem self -esteem by telling them, great job, whatever, etc., and then throwing in a little critique afterwards. It's just as much relevant and real, if not more, for adults is the point. Right. But yes, you're right. No, in other words, the way you're resolving that story, you shouldn't have been flattering him as, you're not going to flatter him, and as a result, you're going to you know, help you're his self-esteem. Like, like you're reading, the, if you can, you're reading the person's reaction, right? If you see somebody get up and sure. they see, they're already acting like they gave the best speech in the world, sure. then you'll critique them sure. harder than the kid who's... Sure, sure. But again, it, sure. But the, a friend is going to criticize... And you want your friend to criticize yes. in the right way. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that's I think that's the this the discord here is. But in that story, the Rabbi Isaac Sher was telling him you should have said positive. So he should. So what the way the doctor is is, is dealing with this. You say positive, he knows he didn't do a good job. At least he doesn't walk away deflated. At least he doesn't walk away depressed. Okay, regardless, regardless of how we explain uh, Rabbi Isaac Sher's advice, the point is that the fact that he would hear it, the fact that I would hear it, the fact that we would all, in any of these circumstances, hear it, the fact that we, that we turn, as thinking about it in the, on the spot, Haman did to Zeresh, look to our spouses to always make us feel better in every situation where we know we messed it up, where we know we're failing, is very telling. It's not to say that our spouses should be beaten. Maybe that is their role, but there needs to be an honesty. There needs to be, listen, I grew up in a home for many, many years, well, that's why I talked about speaking on troubles and speaking about myself. Uh, my father doesn't blush very easily, but I don't even know if he had, but we would come home Shabbat morning, and I hope this is okay to say, and my mother would critique every word of my father's speech, my whole life. It stopped. I don't know why it stopped. Uh, maybe 15 years ago. I don't know. My mother. No, yeah, that's for, that's for sure true. But my mother furthermore said, because he's perfect already, something like that, because we asked her. And I remember my oldest sister, uh, she was, uh, her fiance was in the house for a meal, turned to her. We found this. I mean, she told us afterwards. So, what is going on? And she said, No, this is standard. But your father's just taking it. 
it speaks to my just as much to my mother right. for her honesty, but to my father as well. His quality. But my father wanted. The only feedback he was getting. I understand. Only, feedback, right? only, real, only feedback. real feedback. What what I'm describing is, and he wanted it, and he need. I mean, it's a fulfillment of this, and if you know kinegdo. what I'm saying. <laughs> and that was the kinegdo and the eser. She's critiquing, but he was taking it and feeling it with a love. And don't think she didn't. She's a psychologist. She knew how to say it the right way. But if you heard it from the outside, you know, you would be jarred. You, I can't believe. And she would, of course walk out of uh, shul on Shabbat and say to everyone, wasn't he wonderful? She wasn't saying this to everyone, but there was a certain honesty. Now, again, we're not talking about speeches per se. We're talking about ca- character traits. We're talking about building yourself. But uh, I, I, I certainly did uh, d- did grow up seeing a, a personification of this in the full sense. Because the alternatives, so they'll be like, like some books that they write, they say like how to get people to like you. So obviously they tell you to compliment them, right? But what they point sure. that when I would read a book like this, I realized that it's probably true. Like, You'll see a rabbi get up and make an amazing speech, but they do it so often that everybody takes it for granted. Right. So now this rabbi gets up and makes an amazing speech 30 times, and you'll see they come down from the pulpit, nobody says anything. Sure. So then they say, like, so that book I took as, yes, if somebody makes a great speech, don't assume everyone's comfortable with them. Go give them a compliment. Okay, so now you're feeling like nobody appreciates them. So now you're on the instructions to the yorets. But now, but again, that's on that's on you in terms of that. Don't give false compliments, but but don't hold back real compliments. But again, correct. And again, you're on the on the giving end. This is on the taking end. He's describing you uh, when you uh, had your. I don't know. I know you read a lot now, but bedside manners. You want your uh, your uh, PA to say to you afterwards. I'm sure this could never exist, but. That you want them to say, hey, Doc, uh, couldn't you, shouldn't you have said this? Wouldn't it have been appropriate that way? Of course, if they're going to raise and rise themselves in the ranks, they're going to read right. those books and they're going to follow what the Yoatzim of Yoash and others right. did. But if you're seeking it, you're turning to them and saying, please, don't withhold. I want to hear it. I need to hear it. This, no, they, do. This, they have, that. They have that. Of course, now when you read a report, another doctor reads the file and they think you read something wrong. They call you and they tell right, you. Right. And I tell my residents, if you don't think, if you get mad at people when they give you feedback, they just won't give you feedback. So sure, you'll think you're doing a good job, but you're not doing a good job. Yeah. So you better be nice to people good. when they give right. you feedback. So, so, so bring Misilat Yesharim with you. To, uh, uh, difficult. Okay, Perek Kafdalit brings us literally to the apex, to the top of this. We have, what, three Perakim left. And we're really at the top of, I mean, we get to Kiddushah after Yerat uh, Het, but Yerat Het literally means fear of, uh, of sin. And Mesilat Yesharim will bring us through, as he has a little bit already in uh, Perek Yotet in chapter 19, he'll bring us through what it means to have Yerat Het, fear of, of sin. What does Yerat Hashem in the larger sense mean? But uh, we're really, we've climbed. In other words, whereas a person might assume just a fear in God is a, a, a natural prerequisite to anything else, uh, he's going to talk about it on a much more foundational, deeper level. Yerat Het is going to describe an achievement. I've risen with regards to, from the beginning of the book, through the end, and almost in that order, with regards to working on myself, I've gone past Hasidut, which you might recall was no simple feat, that Perek Yotet. And now I'm up to Yirat Het, Hine Reotenu, he writes, again, literally fear of sin, Reotenu Hamidah Hazot Nimnet, he makes the point that 
I stole it from him. If you'll notice that Yiratet, and don't forget, Mesilat Yesharim is copying this whole uh, hierarchy from the famous statement of Rabbi Pinehas ben Yair, right? The Gemara Masechet Avodazara, which he uh, cited at the onset, describes how a person climbs up to almost achieving prophecy. But anyway, we're up to Yirat Het, it says it gets counted, it's listed after all those other character traits. Dailanu lahairenu. It uh, therefore is, is enough to, to call to our attention. Uh, it means in turn, we should immediately realize before delving into it, before understanding what it actually means, well, this is not simple. Uh, it sounds simple. Uh, fear God. Uh, born God-fearing. Is he a shamayim? Uh, that's not, not a simple statement. We're talking about something on a deeper level just by means of, we can already realize, this is the top. This is close to the top. Shekvar lo yuchan lehagia elav ela mi shekvar hisi kol amidot shekadam zichram. You won't achieve this truly. Uh, you can say you have it. You can describe another person who has it. But you don't if you haven't worked through the rest. Uh, he's not Nanav, but he's Yeresham. I'm no such thing. He uh, didn't uh, work on Hasidut. He's not in the world of Hasidut, as we described it at great length. He doesn't have true Yirat Ha. But what is Yirat Ha? Omnam. And it's important as well. And it's funny because this this uh, interlocks with the classes on Wednesday night in Moren uh, Vuchim, where Harambam at the very end of Moren Vuchim is describing this ideal level. It's similar. It's not at all the same of what they're going to describe him. We maybe will touch on the differences, but that highest level is a level of ecstatic communion with God. Big words, which mean you're constantly connected to God. Uh, says Harambam, that is Moshe Rabbeinu, Abraham, Tzhak, and Yaakov. Maybe Aharon and Miriam, it seems like, but that's what we're dealing with, and he dedicates three chapters to it. Because when we talk about ideals, when we speak about goals, it's important that we articulate them. They'll come at the end of the class, at the end of the uh, book, but, but they need to be mentioned. If we don't know what we're striving for, if we don't know what a goal and ambition is, we don't have a direction at all. So it's not per se that what he's going to describe, if anything, it will, it does in me, it'll provoke anxiety, his description of, quote, where we're supposed to be. I'm clear about that. He's going to describe an anxiety-ridden life, which in turn means for me, I get anxious thinking about, but it's a description of where I can lead myself to, and if I work to that, maybe it won't be as anxiety-provoked, maybe it'll be natural for me, but let's see how he writes it. Like everything else, there are different levels, and they're broken up and turned into others. He says there are two, which are three levels of what he means by that, he tells us immediately, the first level is the easiest, that's the one we refer to when we say, there's nothing easier and uh, and lighter with regards to the achievement of uh, the low level of the second level of of this fear of sin is difficult and then the second part of the second level in other words it's level one down here second level two up here and then level two connects to another one which is higher to it that one he says that's the most difficult. And fulfilling it, achieving it entirely, that's, it doesn't say impossible, but that is very, very hard, certainly to maintain. Yes, He says the first level is a person who fears, again, we're talking about fearing 
uh, sin. He says the lowest level of fear of sin is fear of punishment. Quite simple. I had a conversation with my family about this on Shabbat. My daughter came home speaking about Parashat Yitro, describing how Kibuda Avaim, honoring our parents, is described in the Aserat Adiberot as so that you get a long life. And she said that her teacher taught her that in Parashat Kitese, she didn't say that, uh, sending away the mother bird, as well as the other time, one of the other notable places in the Torah where it says you'll get a long life. One is very difficult. She said, and I laughed, uh, to honor your parents, very difficult to achieve. And, uh, and the other one seems more simple, sending away a mother bird. So what did the teacher te- tell them? You have to realize that the reward for mitzvot and averot you can't assume. That's a nice Devar Torah. You can't assume. I would assume for Kibbut Avayim it's very high. I would assume that for sending away a bird it's much lower. She said clearly it's not. It's a nice Devar Torah. I did, however, take it as an opportunity to say, but kids, I spoke to her specifically, I said, but uh, that's a nice thing, but is that describing to you why you're doing the mitzvah? She said, absolutely. I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm doing it so I get the higher reward. So I, to, I honor my parents and I'll do that and I'll do them all. I said, but we're working for more than that. It was She's too young to understand this. I said, we're not just for the reward. Come on, we're doing this because we think it's important to do. She could not at all understand. The older kids understood it. But I, I think that's an important point to be made. He says, that's the lowest level. You're not the honest. It's not bad that you're fearing punishment. That's where you begin. You, you begin by, I tell you, don't touch the oven. Because if you touch the oven, you touch the stovetop, you're going to burn your hand. And you realize that that in and of itself is significant. The fact that you need to listen to me as well, the fact that our relationship is at stake, that's a higher level understanding. The second level is something that's elevated. That's the grandeur of God. You have a fear of and almost an awe and inspiration, almost like touching on Ema of God's greatness. That's level two. So level one, fear of punishment. Level two, and then the apex, the highest level is the offshoot of Yerat HaRomimut, which is called Yerat Het, fear of sin itself. Okay, we'll have to make our way to that. Now let's get into the intricacies, the details of each of these. Yerat HaOnish Kipshuta, he says, uh, fearing sin is, uh, we can simply describe it. A person fears uh, transgressing, going against God's prohibitions because of the punishments which will befall them. Whether it's physical or spiritual, this is simple, this is easy to achieve. Every person cares about their life. Everybody cares about their body. And as a result, everybody would and should fear that uh, if they do the wrong thing, uh, evil will fall their way. They'll be punished. I mean, there's no question. Oh boy. <laughs> he says, this level, historically, we would say, is for the ignoramuses and women. And today, we wouldn't say women. Women are more educated. Once upon a time, when women were not educated, who had a simple mind and a, a just a, a, a lacked any complexity, you said to them, you do this because otherwise you'll be punished. That was sufficient. They couldn't achieve more. As I mentioned, my children, for children, oftentimes, Yirata Onish, is sufficient. 
speaking as I try to sometimes with young children to try to get beyond that is only confusing. It's not going to achieve. This is not the level, this is not the stature that others, those who have wisdom, those who have knowledge, should be striving for. Uh, what is that? That's a fear of the grandeur, the greatness of God. The second level is, I fear, not the punishment, I fear transgressing God's will, God's word. That in and of itself, that's significant. That's a high level. I have an, a relationship. He's not just my ruler, not just my judge. He is a person I have a relationship with. I care in my relationship, not about the repercussions. I care about doing the wrong thing to them. That's not simple. I, I try to stress this in my own life and certainly in teaching all the time. A relationship with God is more simply stated as, in this past week's parasha, the lawgiver. He gave us the Torah and we abide to his laws. It's what Am Yisrael say at the onset uh, where they're told, well, God's going to come and speak to me, says Moshe, and I'll, tr- I'll relay it to you. They're interested in doing. They're interested in receiving and doing and practicing. It's only at the end of this coming week's parasha that we get a sefer haberit. It's only then, or maybe leading up to it, that we're beginning to understand this is more than just check boxes off and do my word. This is more than your relationship with paro. It's a lot more full-fledged. It's a lot more all-encompassing. It has to do with the relationship. I'm not just interested that you listen to my rules and follow my laws. I'm interested that we achieve something in terms of a reciprocal relationship. That's this yirah. It'll only come through thought, contemplation, understanding. You're going to have to think about God's grandeur, God's greatness. And as well on the lowliness of a human being. So, Mesilat Yesharim already will get us into what is not very common today, but needs to be a little bit a part of who we are. In other words, the description is going to be focusing on our lowliness. Historically, there are two camps of thought in the Ba'alei Musar. In the Ba'alei Musar, there were those who spoke about the greatness of human beings. They, they attributed that to the school of thought known as Slabadka. And then there was Nevardic. They talked about the Pehitut Adam, the small, low level of the Adam. I've told the joke more than once. Is in Nevardic, they used to say that you're nothing. And you used to have to do, this is uh, just 150 years ago, less. You had to go out and in order to like, you know, earn your badge, you had to do ridiculous things to feel embarrassed. You had to walk into the pharmacy and ask them for a hammer. That was part of your avodam, but mamash, this is what they used to do. So the joke is that uh, someone comes to this uh, yeshiva and uh, doesn't know what's going on. He sees everyone uh, all crying the whole time. As a first day, he's just praying, and they're all banging themselves. I can't understand it. Two days, three days, he's a week in, and he's, he got it. He understands it. So he walks up to the bima, and he starts banging his head into it and saying, I'm a nothing. In Yiddish, I've been a garnished. I'm a nothing. I'm a nothing. One guy turns to the other and says, he's been here a week. He already thinks he's a nobody. I mean, it's an amazing story. But there's a Mesilat Yesharim here is, is, is describing. I remember I wrote that in my, my Jewish history test in 11th grade. I've t- told that joke. The teacher liked it very 
much. Anyway, he says, Kol ele devarim mitoldot ha-sechel ha-mevin v'ha-maskil pi-ayira she-samnu al-ha-helek she-eni me-echad me-chalkei ha-hasidut she-zacharnu. He says, to get to this, I'm already speaking with you and saying, it's not a natural way that we educate today. We don't speak about loneliness as much. We speak about your potential. We speak about, we have growth mindset. We don't talk about, well, there's a certain trembling. And he describes this from Moshe, who more than once in Sefer Devarim speaks about Yirah, realizing your lowliness, realizing his greatness. He'll, of course, go into the Pesukim even briefly from this past week's parasha. We felt, we realized God's presence at Ma'amad Har Sinai, Vayar Kol Ha'am, Vayanu'u, they were jolted, they, they moved, and they, uh, they retreated. They, they stood back. That's realizing greatness. That's Yirat That's uh, getting us to filling out this second level of Yira, which in turn will segue us to uh, the specific of Yirat Het. So again, to summarize what we've achieved in this Perek in terms of understanding so far, the lowly, for the Ameha Aretz, and we might say for children today, is the Yirat Onesh. Beyond that, Yirat HaRomimut, which we're beginning to understand, realizing God's greatness, understanding how feeble, small, minuscule, uh, compared to him, we are as human beings. And from that, whatever it means, although we haven't yet explained it, we know the words, to Yirat Het, Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.